This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into the door report. It is episode 173. It is a Wednesday night, August 24th, 2022. We are powered. By Alaco Fine Wood Floors. They are family owned and operated for more than two decades. Alaco Fine Wood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one man shop to a team of 23 professionals. If you're interested in contacting them, you could find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue in Berry Hill, or you can call them at 615 615- Three five six zero three zero three, or look at their website, alacofinewoodfloors.com. Alaco Finewood Floors, serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. Will, we've made it. We have made it to Hawaii week, not week one, week zero. Vanderbilt heads to Honolulu. They're already there. They've been there since Sunday and been practicing. I think I think today was day three of practice for uh, for Vanderbilt, so they'll continue probably have a couple more light days uh, tomorrow and then Friday and then heading into the game on Saturday, uh, 10.30 Eastern time, 9.30 Central on the CBS Sports Network. Well, it, it's here. I mean, a lot of it now is just kind of waiting for the game, but we do have a lot to get into uh, with uh, with week zero approaching. Yeah, we have the interview portion in segment two uh, with the guy that the name is completely slipping my mind Reese. that works for the student. Is Reese, good There we go. I really hope that's not a sign of how the rest of my memory is going to go with the things that I wanted to say. But he gave a lot of good info on Hawaii's roster, and a lot of that is what we already, I think, probably had down in our notes, kind of the basics, but it confirmed some things and added some context, especially to that depth chart that they posted that had a lot of oars next to it. Another parallel between this Hawaii team with their first year head coach in Timmy Chang and the first year head coach in Clark Lee at Vanderbilt last season. So a lot of parallels that we'll get into in this episode that should be fun. It was eerily similar to Clark Lee. I mean, we were listening Mm -hmm. to Reese talk. It was like, that's Clark Lee's season last year. So we'll have to see it. We'll see what kind of, how big of a step did Vanderbilt make after last season? We're going to see a little bit of that step on Saturday, kind of game one, week zero of that step. We'll get to our picks as well, starting getting predictions fired back up here, Will. We'll, we'll have to see how we do. I don't think we kept track of our record last year. Uh, I mean, no use, I guess, but we'll, uh, we'll see how we do. I would say our record was pretty good. I, yeah, I, I, the Mississippi I mean, State I think we got them all right was... except ATSU, and I predicted that Mississippi State 
uh, for Vanderbilt to, to pull that one off, and that was brutally wrong. But other than that, I mean, if you just ran down that L column, you could have done pretty damn well the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll have to see if, how many more uh, wins in the W column Vanderbilt gets this year. But Reese Nagaoka will uh, join us a little bit later. Nice conversation with him. He's a student at uh, Hawaii, so he's he's been right there with a program uh, throughout fall camp. But before we get to the preview, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the Hawaii preview. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, one of the programs hit the hardest by the transfer portal. I mean, I'm, the more I talk about this Hawaii team and learn about them and, and research them, I'm thinking of last year's Vanderbilt program. Now, yes, they're on two different scales. This is a Hawaii program. Uh, of course, not in the SEC. So uh, Vanderbilt got uh, got got hit a little bit harder in terms of competition, firing right back at you after after that many players transferred out. But Hawaii lost 19 players. That's the last I've seen. Maybe there's more to the to the transfer portal by now. But um, they only brought in eight recruits. Will that's what shocks me? Eight recruits, an eight player recruiting class after that many players just exited. So. Obviously, a lot of walk-ons that are going to be Eight, 18 guys on their current roster started at another school, and a lot of those guys make up that starting lineup that they're going to roll out with in week zero. That's crazy. It's crazy. So my advice for Timmy Chang, good luck. because, And I think Clark Lee would agree because he went through a lot of the same stuff last year with guys coming in, guys coming out, young players being forced into action. So – I think with this Hawaii team, Will, as we kind of get into our, our breakdown of the Rainbow Warriors, we'll talk more about Vanderbilt from their perspective uh, a little bit later. But with this Hawaii team, Will, you're going to see a lot of young guys and you're going to see a lot of guys that, you know, we may look, sit there and say, how are they on the field right now? Like, how, how, how is that guy out, on, out there on the field? So uh, for me, Will, Vanderbilt against Hawaii, I look at imposing their will. Like I, I look at Vanderbilt being able to do that, and we're gonna we're gonna know that pretty early on. I think we should know that pretty early on. Uh, Hawaii, they're replacing their quarterback Siobhan Cordero, who threw for nearly twenty eight hundred yards last season, seventeen touchdowns, eleven interceptions. Will in the quarterback spot for Hawaii, I know nothing about any of those quarterbacks, but for some reason, my gut tells me Braden Shager will start, and that's good news for Vandy. He only had six hundred yards, two touchdowns, and five interceptions last season. So he didn't even play uh, a whole lot last year, but I think it's going to be Shager. I don't know if you have a, a, a gut feeling there, um, but in I, forgetting who Reese said, he had a prediction uh, for the quarterback uh, for, for, for Hawaii on Saturday. I'm forgetting who he said. It was, I, I think it was Joey Yellen. Joey he, Yellen. He predicted. And uh, I guess I, we'll you were thinking, you were thinking Cameron Cooper. The transfer from just Washington. Cam and Cooper. See, this is this is the fun part of especially these first four games, maybe outside of Wake Forest. So NIU and Hawaii specifically, because Elon's an FCS program, but FBS programs of that level are very interesting to do research on because they are FBS, 
So they have 24-7 sites. Now, how updated those sites are, how often the message boards are posted on, varies a crazy amount between these FBS programs. I will tell you Hawaii, very hard to find information on. Um, Their 24-7 board had one post since, I believe, July 21st. Um, and it was uh, the depth chart, uh, which was yesterday. And then there was one about them being picked last in the Mountain West Conference in their half. And that was on July 21st. So that's the activity level. That's but Cam and Cooper got. was interesting uh, just because of where he came in from mm-hmm. and what kind of recruit he was coming out of high school. He was a four-star guy, uh, top three, 360 players nationally, I believe, as a quarterback. And he transferred in from Washington State. So I'm not saying that that means that he's going to be the guy. There, there are guys all the time that look the part, have the arm, and just don't have it that come out as four stars. There was actually one, uh, Luke Ward, that went to Tennessee Tech. He came in, transferred. He's an ESPN 300 four-star and transferred down to Tennessee Tech and ended up actually losing out the starting job and being like the third string quarterback. Mm. We didn't get along in college, so that's why I feel comfortable uh, (laughs) saying his name here on the podcast. But back to Hawaii, that's why he intrigued me. He looks the part. He's 6'4". He's got a luscious mustache on his ESPN profile picture. I mean, you see Washington State. Mm -hmm. And you see the four stars. Yeah. I mean, he, he had, he, that's what Hawaii is a lot of. They have guys from a lot of good programs that have transferred in. They have a Georgia transfer. Yeah. Uh, but how but often, we don't know much about them. <laughs> exactly. We know nothing about them because they basically were these three, four star guys went into these SEC and other power five schools, wherever they are and got lost in the shuffle and just never could make it onto the field. Saw the writing on the wall, transferred out. That doesn't mean that all these guys can't play. A lot of transfers change over schools and, and have dr- a dramatic change in the project in, in how their tr- career trajectory is going. Now, how often do you see that at positions that aren't named running back and spe- very specific instances of quarterback? I don't know. Um, these rotational positions are, are really where you can see a little bit more success. Uh, especially once they have a year or two in the system, but a lot of the a lot of times these guys that came out as four stars they they didn't play for these guys they're transferring away from because they weren't ready. They still need a year or two of development. They have potential to be that three or four star, but right now they're really not. And maybe that's Cam and Cooper. But yeah, from him it was the the Joey Yellen transfer who he Joey started Yellen. at Arizona yeah. State, went to Pittsburgh. And now he's at Hawaii. So he's actually, I don't believe he's played since 2019, uh, actually stepped on the field. And then Shager was the remaining quarterback from the roster. He's a sophomore. And you said last year, 615 yards, mm-hmm. two touchdowns, five interceptions with a beautiful 27.9 QBR. Look so those that. are the main yeah. options right there. It looks like Yellen or Shager. And yeah. I would lean I just, towards Yellen based on based on uh, the interview, but yeah. I, I guess we will see. And they're yeah. they're keeping a little mystery with the two ors on that depth chart and three names. Yeah, and we asked Reese about it. I I, I told Reese initially three way starting three way battle for the starting quarterback spot. Right? He said no four way. You can only the max you can put on a depth. <laughs> oh chart. yeah, that was. <laughs> So there's actually four. I mean, there's 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 four guys right now battling a, a reportedly. Um, but I, I said Shager. I, I think it, I think Shager. I have no clue. I don't pretend to have any insight on it. But I just think Shager because he played last year for the team. So I don't know who, whoever you know whether it's Yellen or Shager. Yeah, the other guy's a freshman. 
the, yeah. that's come in, I believe, because I don't have him down. I didn't go through their eight guys that came in because, you know, I just didn't yeah, really why? feel the need. There's no, no yeah. reason to. But, well, for Vanderbilt, I think we look at Vanderbilt last year. Ken Steele's, of course, started. I, I feel stupid asking this, but did we see Mike Wright against ETSU? I, I don't. I can't ever remember. I, I don't think we did. I don't but believe we were so. going into that game. You know, we knew Ken Seals was probably going to play the most, but I, I remember going into that game saying we could see both guys. You know, we when and you know, I think Hawaii they they're kind of going in here. Most fans, their team, they could be thinking, you know, we don't even know who's going to start. We don't know who's going to be back there. So, yeah, I want to point these out each time we do it. So that's quarterback directly parallel, almost a very similar exact situation that Clark Lee had. And have we really gone through Timmy Chang and the situation that Hawaii's coming out of? Because we touched on how many guys transfer well, honest, out in that this. 19 number. But we have not gone into the shape of that program. It's more than just what happened with Mason, where it was turmoil and the usual yeah. dumpster fire that every single coach's tenure ends with. That's not unique. But this was unique at Hawaii. And there is a reason why all these guys were transferring out. I don't know if we've gotten into that early in this uh well i think it's very similar what todd graham did to that program was very similar to what Derek mason did to vanderbilt i mean they 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 sent it in into the ground i mean Mm -hmm. hawaii is underground right now that's that's where vanderbilt was last year so todd graham and Derek mason now they're they're different programs and very different but the uh, similarities man are crazy it's (laughs) wild It, it listening to reese for anybody listening right now, you'll you'll realize it when I realized it even more when Reese was talking about it because I was learning about it. I didn't. I don't know what what they've been through. I asked about the off season to Reese. So Todd Graham and Derek Mason, those two guys, what they did to the program, very similar to you know very similar to each other. And Timmy Chang, credit to a guy like that who played at Hawaii, who's coming back, very similar to Clark Lee, a guy who played at Vanderbilt, coming back during the it, same years it, almost as well in what is considered, quote-unquote, the years before the glory days, before the days of Colt Brennan, cough, cough, before the days of the glory days I mean, Hawaii, of Vanderbilt the, football. The, different, the yeah. parallel of him coming in, I mean, it's we've already gone through three things. The previous coach, the current head coach coming in, and the quarterback situation that aren't just similar. They're like they're identical, literally the same. like Time years they're players, the ages, like everything. It's crazy. It's crazy. And their stadiums being redone. As well, which just add on to another thing that is. <laughs> it really is crazy. I, I would imagine Timmy Chang and Clark Lee are going to have a good laugh about about this and and the kind of where each program is. But that tells you about this game. Vanderbilt should win this game. I mean, that tells you that that literally where Hawaii is right now. This is about Hawaii. I know Vanderbilt coach speak. This is about us. This isn't you know this this is about Hawaii and how far they've fallen. Yeah, we talked. We were at this spot last year talking about Vanderbilt, but this game is about Hawaii. And like, that's the people talk about this game. Yeah, I've got Vanderbilt minus eight. I mean, Hawaii is just awful. That's that's what you hear. I mean, that's not no Vanderbilt. You know, I'm I'm expecting a bowl burst from the Commodores this year. Like, that's the reason. It's it's Hawaii. Like, Hawaii is the reason. Uh, every reason for this game. So, but will I, I do want to get more into Hawaii? Dedrick Parson, uh, the the running back, is actually a player to watch. Uh, last year. And I'm not saying there's similarities to uh, ETSU last year with uh, what was his name? Oh my gosh, Quay Holmes. With Quay, I don't think there's any similarities there. This guy's like five no. eight, two oh five. Uh, he's more of a bowling ball, but he did have over 600 yards rushing last year, eight touchdowns. Um, he is a senior too, so he's played a lot of football. 
Um, but the thing with Hawaii, they're they're going to throw the football. I mean, they want to throw the football. That's Timmy Chang. That's kind of the coaching tree he's come from. So they're going to want to throw the football around. Will the challenge, I think there is a challenge for Vanderbilt's defense, just not knowing what the hell's going to happen. I mean, you, what do you, how do you prepare for, for this game? I mean, Timmy Chang has, the film he has is not at Hawaii. Their offensive coordinator hasn't called plays since I don't even know when. He hasn't called plays at the FBS level. It was like, was it at Eastern Washington or something where their OC called? I think he was the OC there. So, like I said, I don't know. And I feel like Vanderbilt is in that same kind of spot. They don't know what they're going to get. They are truly going in blind. Because not only is it guys that you haven't seen on film, on the field, or first-time coaches in these positions, or a head coach moving from a coordinator role, Timmy Chang wasn't even a coordinator. This is something that I want to hit on, and and the interview was, was great, um, but I think it was coming from the perspective of someone that doesn't really fully understand college football and, and hasn't been following it. The in way, detail the for did. a long period of time yeah yeah it's a yes yes hasn't been hurt as many times like i he had light in his eyes like that's the yeah. thing is when he's talking about it you could sense hope yeah we didn't have that so like what he was saying was similar but like the deadness inside wasn't there in the same way but timmy chang's coaching history is very brief we can run through it he was a graduate assistant at smu for mm-hmm. 2012 to 2013 then he was an OC and quarterbacks coach at Jackson State at the FCS level 2014 to 15. He was the OC at Emory and Henry in 2016. Mm-hmm. Then he was the inside okay. wide receivers coach getting his first FBS uh, coaching experience at Nevada in 2017. Then the tight ends coach 2018 to 2020 at Nevada. And then the wide receivers coach again at Nevada in 2021. And now he's the head coach of Hawaii. So the similarities between Coach Clark Lee year head coach. and Timmy Chang outside. Now, there is the similarity of first-year head coach. I also want to say the similarities thusly into there uh, because Clark Lee yeah, was going to be a power five hire within the next two years at a power, like at a major program and was going to be on the first line of candidates for any of those he jobs. Been the only reason Vanderbilt was a... Yes, and the only reason Vanderbilt got him was because he went to school there. The only and the difference is between Clark Lee and Timmy Chang is can be put very simply. The only reason Vanderbilt was able to hire Clark Lee and why they were able to get him was because he went to Vanderbilt. The only reason Hawaii is hiring Timmy Chang is because he went to Hawaii. It's uh, not because uh, his resume is awesome. Right and they're like, oh, we would never get this guy otherwise. He's, in, he's a rising star. No, that he was not on the radar as a hot, mm-hmm. up-and-coming young head coach that every single school wants. So I want to put that out there, that while they are similar and they, it, it, they were playing during the prime or pre-prime sur- eras of those programs, yeah. same time, at the surface, they're similar. But I don't want to you know, put Clark Lee a little bit down. It's, it's all scale. So yeah, parallels, uh, yeah. but they're not equal. Yeah, that's what we were saying. You know, uh, it, it's different scales, but when you look at the team scales, it's like okay, there's some similarities there. But let's not downgrade. It was Clark funny Lee. reading the resume. That's that's what I wanted to hit, and I didn't say it to him because he was actually incredibly well informed in teaching me things about Hawaii and what yeah. happened with that program. <laughs> but I wanted to say just like from the perspective of an SEC program or any football, like MTSU hiring a candidate with that experience. I was just playing in my head 
last night what the reaction would be if Vanderbilt hired someone at that same age as as Clark Lee, but Clark Lee had this resume yeah. instead of his yeah. resume. Yeah. And I was just like, and, my God. And the reaction on their message boards was zero comments on the on the little no thing. Comment. And I was like, that would have broken everything if yeah. Vanderbilt had hired with that resume. But for Hawaii scale of problem. Yeah. There, there's not like it, it look at their stadium. There's nine thousand it's nine thousand seats. And you know, they're getting excited about packing that. They're like, we're gonna pack are now 9,000 seat stadium. That's the interest. It's like, if you're in Hawaii, they're probably just want to go, you know, go see an event. You know, they don't want to go necessarily see the football football used to be bigger. Of course, you mentioned Colt Brennan and that era of Hawaii football, but how far they, with how far they've fallen, football has got to be an afterthought at this point. I mean, well, it's also just, it, you're out on the first off West coast is a joke anyway. Like USC has a t- awful fan base ucla awful mm-hmm. uh, they're basically like the only reason that people think they have great fan bases is because they had national fan bases uh and back Brand. when that was the only teams that had any uh viewers because there were three channels on tv their actual fan bases in the local community are awful like nobody shows up to anything because they're all transplants out in the west mm-hmm. and also and now- nobody likes football as much as they do in the south so hawaii i would imagine that it's not just built into the culture near as much in in hawaii but you know i don't know much about hawaiian culture if we're being honest so i have no idea i i've never been further west than dallas so i i don't Uh, want to speak on why that is that it's not popular over there i will say though their base that baseball atmosphere i don't know if you saw any of that game and it was a it it wasn't a large capacity crowd but it was loud like they were into it, they were locked in, and that was baseball. I don't know if the same if it's going to be the same for football, but nine thousand people that and, and they're that tight. It's like a it's like a Texas high school football game. That's what it's going to feel like. A big, you know, it's it, you know they're right you on. Stole you. what I was going to say. <laughs> they're on top of you, and it's probably it's not going to feel like anything in the SEC by by a long shot. But it's just going to be weird, and they've probably never played in a play, in a, in an atmosphere like that. Talking about Vanderbilt, Hawaii certainly has. They did last year, but it was the COVID year. So I, from the bottom of my heart, believe that the Vanderbilt Commodores, just specifically that team, like and anyone that has played there, will never be shaken by any environment they are playing in. I prompt because they play in front of the most raucous away crowds in any sport. In America, really, and they, and love they it. also they love it. do that. Yeah, and they also do that at at, in front of team. opponent fans at home, <laughs> and they like so they also have to do that at home, and they play in front of empty stadiums inside of what doesn't seem to us because of like I said scale, but inside of a cavernous forty thousand seat stadium, they'll play when there's ten thousand people in there, and it looks like there's two thousand people when there are ten thousand people in the stadium. So they see every single every single color on the rainbow of style of, of game day environment, the Vanderbilt I mean, they, get to experience. During they've the seen everything. Season. They've seen it all. Seen so it all. the fact that they're obviously they're whatever he was, the player development coordinator said that um, that's just to get his team motivated. I guarantee you, he does not believe what he said. I mean, if, <laughs> if he believes that he he's, we've got some issues, but well, let's get into Vandy. Of course, we got Reese Nagoka coming up. Um, but from the Vandy perspective, we talked a lot about Hawaii. Uh, I, I said it earlier, Vanderbilt should impose their will uh, because offensively, if you're Vanderbilt's offense, you're Mike Wright under center, you're, you're Ray Davis, you're Will Shepard, 
you should be able to look across the field at your defender and be confident you're, you're going to dominate him because he's probably either a walk-on, a guy that has never played college football, a player that has maybe one year of experience. Now, they've got a few veteran guys, but the, the majority of their players are guys that have very little experience. So if you're a Vanderbilt offensive player, that's, that, that's what I expect. That's what I expect their mindset to be. Um, we'll know really early on how this game is going to play out. And if I'm Clark Lee, Will, we, Vandy receives the toss, I, I receive and shove it down their throats and, and because you can send a message right away. You know, be the SEC team that you are, and and go de- go out there and dominate. I mean, that's we've seen Alabama. We've seen that's what Alabama does. They from the jump, from the kickoff, they say we're going to dominate you. So, and we did see that. I mean, obviously, it, that was going to be hard to see last year for Vanderbilt just because of their what they where they were. Uh, but this year, in playing Hawaii, this is the one team Vanderbilt should physically dominate. You could probably say the same thing about Elon. Um, but they should physically dominate this team well, and that's what I look at. And I think Mike Wright, you look at Mike Wright, he could run for over 100 yards. I think he might. You know, I think he will. So it's a lot on Mike Wright's shoulders. It always is. He's the quarterback. Uh, but he's – I keep talking about him, but he – how much did he improve not only throwing but just comfort level back there, you know, and, and kind of gelling with that O-line. So there's a lot. There's always a lot. I feel like we're always scrambling around for the previews. <laughs> we're, uh, we, we're just not organized at all. But, Will, they should physically dominate Hawaii. That's – I'm just going to leave the, it there. <laughs> there we go. So let's hop back uh, because we skipped past a couple positions on offense real quick. Uh, just to recap, because I'm sure that Vanderbilt are we going are back to Hawaii familiar with the Hawaii roster. Yeah, this is going to t- this is very quick. Going to get back to what you said. Don't worry. It's not too long, Billy. I know your time is go. very valuable. Uh, so at the running back position, yes, they do have the returner that was the second leading rusher last season tied, I believe, for first with eight touchdowns. But he was really the he was the third string running back. They had another guy that was yeah. out last season, similar to to what happened to Ramon Davis. On his career, they lost him to graduation. He had 520 carries, 3,100 yards, 40 touchdowns. So that was their guy. Um, I didn't dig into that super deep, but clearly he was a key part of that backfield. And last year just was not. So that wasn't random. Uh, they lost Day Day Hunter, transferred out to Liberty, 651 yards, three touchdowns, going to the receivers which is actually, I know it sounds like they've lost a lot. We haven't even gotten to anything yet, the bad positions. They lost their top three receivers uh, from last season that in 2021 combined for 145. Top three, 145 catches, over 2,200 yards and 11 touchdowns of production from that receiving group gone. Also, their third leading rusher from last season was their quarterback, Chavin Cordero. So he's also gone. So three of their top... Four leading rushers, gone. Also, their top three wide receivers, gone. And their starting quarterback, gone. Gone. So I just wanted to make sure and hit on that. Now, the offensive line actually has a little bit of experience coming back. Uh, they that's the weird part is everything else. The offensive line has some experience. Now, some of that is transfers, but their starting five has experience. Uh However... This Hawaii team, even at the positions that you say have experience, is the thinnest roster as far as experience is concerned that I've ever seen in my entire life. They have starters that have no experience, but forget about it in their second string. They don't have guys that have over 
like three games played in that second string anywhere on the roster. So if one guy needs a breather, you're putting in a fresh face out there on both sides of the ball. I know you probably wanted to get to what you were talking about, which was manhandling well, I, this I do wanna, team. I do want to add on to what you just said, though, Will. That's where you look at the second half. You, you go to the second mm-hmm. half there. Yep. First half, you know, it could be 7 nothing, 0-0, for all I care. But in the second half, Clark Lee knows this. That's when you pounce. That's when you strike on this Hawaii team because when they get tired – that's when Vanderbilt needs to take advantage. And if Vanderbilt doesn't, look out. Because Hawaii, they're going to have their home crowd behind them. There's going to be probably 8,000 Hawaii fans there. You know, they're going to be all – it's going to be all green. I mean, and they're going to be loud. They're going to be behind that team. So if Vanderbilt doesn't take advantage of those chances with because of what you talked about, Will, because you got a second or third string guy out there walk on at corner and you don't hit Will Shepard on a go. I mean, it's it's things like that. Like if Vanderbilt doesn't or they drop an interception or a fump, you know, things like that. If that doesn't happen, look out. I'm not saying Hawaii upset bid or anything like that, but you know, I think they can keep it close if Vanderbilt if if they if they crap the bed. I mean, that's common sense. But if you're Vanderbilt Second half is when you got to take advantage of those uh, of of those second and third string walk-ons that they have no clue what they're doing. I mean, it's game one. It's game one out there for Hawaii. It's like Vanderbilt against ETSU, Will. That's what I expect. I expect to see a Hawaii team that looked like Vanderbilt against ETSU last year. That like that's what I expect. And if uh, if we don't see that, credit to Timmy Chang and and the the magic wizardry he was able to perform with this team because. I mean, this might be the worst team fielded ever. Like this, this is like the worst paper. FBS team in the country. Not even we like. It sounds like we've gone through the parts of the roster that have been ravaged. We haven't even gotten to the two worst positions on the team yet, and and that's the part that are really the three worst. The defense is by far the worst, most ravaged side yeah. of the ball. As far as production, they lost seven of their eight top tacklers. Eight of their top 10 or 11, I believe, top tacklers are gone. And they lost both their starting corners out to transfers. And they lost, when you I lose, believe, when you lose their entire to- defensive line. is got They have one returning nose tackle. And everyone else that played a snap, seven out of the eight. I just want to repeat that. Seven out of the eight top tacklers on this roster. So when they go out there, eight of the top 11 of the guys that brought down the ball carrier last season are not on the field anymore. And that is the part that I just keep hitting at, that yes, this Hawaii team may come out with some unique things, and it's great to go through how Vanderbilt's going to match up with this Hawaii team, but there's no excuse. You go through this roster, you will not find a worse roster in the entire country and in the FBS. If Vanderbilt does not come out here and beat this team handily, then there are going to be some real questions raised about the improvement that this team made from year one to year two. Because this, I, I keep like going and edging around my words because of what has happened in this being Vanderbilt, but I just have to take off the gold colored glasses like I do on the other side. If this wasn't Vanderbilt playing this Hawaii team, if this was any team that's out of a Power Five conference, I saw this minus six and a half line, looked through Hawaii's roster. I is would it, be screaming at the 
Is it, it moved now? out. It's moved out. I told you it would move out. It was okay. minus six and a half whenever we recorded previously. And I said that line will move out because that line makes no sense. Well, uh, I, 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 missed it. I, I just, I saw on the TV earlier today, it was it all, all of a sudden was eight. So I've missed yeah. the change. I mean, it, we knew it was going to because people are realizing that it doesn't, that Vanderbilt, even if they were, that even if they remain flat, they like from last season, they would beat this Hawaii well, team pretty, ask, pretty easily. When you, let me ask you this. Why this late movement? In two days before the game, what what is because that because uh, so normally studying? a lot of these a lot of these sports books apps have opened up their deposit match things, so fans are just now realizing that oh shit, it's week zero. It, the college football doesn't start in week one, like would make sense. I I hate so the demand week zero, but the demand and then just it the market moves, so it's like the stock market that once too much money comes in on one side. They have to up that line, get more money on the other side to kind of hedge themselves yep. against the other side. So money is coming in on Vanderbilt. Like was obvious, this line will approach 10 points easily uh, by the end of it. I'd be shocked if this doesn't end up in double digits by kick. Yeah, This Hawaii team, I will keep repeating it. I looked through the UConn roster from last year, from this from that UConn team that Vanderbilt played that we talked about being the worst team. In in the FBS, UConn, this Hawaii UConn roster would have is, killed this Hawaii team. This this Hawaii team's on paper, and now all of this that all these transfers could have been missed stars at their schools, and that's why I'm afraid of saying it because I've been burned by Vanderbilt a trillion times, a few times in the past, going back to being two years old. <laughs> uh, but this Hawaii, like it's. It's honestly like it doesn't. It, this, it, it literally doesn't. Feel re- it doesn't feel real. Like it feels like a really bad created team on on NCAA football. I came on here for wanting to like just temper expectations. Like that's uh, how I went in well, doing my research. Here's here, here's where I'm at. I'm gonna give you where I'm at right now with this game. There will be days, you know, or certain, you know, I'm thinking about the game at night, and I'm like, oh, Vanderbilt's gonna demolish this Hawaii team. But then there's other there's other days where I'm like. I'm more realistic, and I think this is at Hawaii. They're gonna have their whole. They're gonna. They, it, it's it's the island. The island's coming together for this game. It's Vanderbilt versus the island. They're gonna have all kinds of momentum, and if say they get a pick six, it, it and momentum shifts, Vanderbilt starts saying, "Uh oh, that's where it scares me." So I've been I've been going back and forth with those two scenarios. That that's where I'm at. So I'm somewhere in the middle, and and I, we'll get to predictions, but. That's where I'm at mentally. And I think most Vandy fans would agree. Like, they don't want to get too excited and confident because, Will, we know better. I mean, that, that, that you know what happens when that happens. So we, it's, it's just happened too many times. So, Will, you want to get into Vandy a little bit here from their perspective before we get to predictions? Yeah, uh, that's just about what I was about to lead into, Billy. I think you'll like my next stat that'll jump off, uh, what's jump next off and stat? allow you to get into it. Is on top of losing their top. Seven out of their eight tacklers on defense. Guess what other statistic they lost their top four? Sacks. They lost their top four sack leaders and only have one remaining. And he had two sacks last season. He was their number five sack leader. They lost their top one, Darius Massau, to UCLA with seven sacks last season. Uh, Another defensive lineman uh, gone to Oklahoma. And another, uh, he was actually a defensive back but uh, had four sacks on the season. He's gone to Arizona State. So from a mediocre Mountain West team, that's what I'm getting at. This team was mediocre with who they had graduating. We're going to struggle to repeat what they did last year with normal transfers out Mm -hmm. regardless. 
lost literally every single piece of their roster that even remotely had any value to any program in the entire FBS. That is what I'm getting at. It is worse than what happened to Vanderbilt. It is immensely worse than what happened to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt lost like five or like maybe of the equivalent of guys that Hawaii but lost like they could Vanderbilt of. could still field a, a somewhat competent roster like this I mean they're not going to come out and forget to play football I think they'll put up points I, I think the offensive side with that line that Hawaii has against kind of what looks to be a mending but still a little bit tattered and thin Vanderbilt defensive line yeah. could have potential to be able to throw the ball around a little bit yeah that's what I was saying they and they're that's what they're going to do I mean I think they're whoever their quarterback is he's gonna have he'll probably have somewhere around 40 attempts they're just gonna Mm -hmm. flat throw the ball and they're gonna go quick and so that's why I think there's a little bit of a challenge for Vanderbilt defensively um I I think they'll be up for it but if you're Clark Lee Nick Howell in this defense I just don't know what what are you showing these guys I and and obviously you know they don't have practice I mean it's not you know they don't have practice film they have film from last year that's it I'm sure they've got some film from what Timmy Chang has ran but I, I do think that's that's the biggest challenge for Vanderbilt in this game defensively. It's not offensively. That that shouldn't be a challenge. And if it is, there's bigger problems. But defensively, that's the challenge for me. You know, what 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 you know, how do you how do you make those adjustments? The in-game adjustments are going to be huge. I saw a quote on Twitter from Gavin Schoenwald. He he was talking about how uh, or I think it was Bresnahan actually. He said in-game adjustments are going to be huge because we don't know what we're getting into. We don't know what to expect. We have no idea. And so in-game adjustments, we saw Vanderbilt was pretty good. We, we, we saw some good halftime adjustments at times last year. So that's, that's another key, Will. What kind of adjustments do they make and are they able to make? Um, but I, I go back, Will. Vandy's going to be fired up too. I mean, let's not forget Vanderbilt, after the season they had last year, they have the biggest chip. Out of, they should have the biggest chip out of anybody in the country. Number one, you play in the SEC. Everybody's predicting you go to two and ten. Everyone's joking about what Clark Lee said at SEC Media Days. And, you know, you're Vanderbilt. I mean, at this point in the program, you're you're a laughing stock. I mean, that's what you are. So take that and go you know, play pissed off. That's what I expect. And so I think they will. I think they'll do that, Will, uh, as we kind of ease into predictions. Do you have anything else before we get to predictions? Is there any other stat you want to throw at us to compound the issues for Hawaii? Yeah, I think we got through most most of my stats there. But, yeah, I mean, you said what does Vanderbilt need to do, and that's great to talk about in-game adjustments. And when I say this, that is done if you are Alabama playing against anyone. An FCS program, you make in-game adjustments based on what the other team is doing. What I'm getting at with this Hawaii team is, is this is going to show me a lot about the future, and it's kind of going to shape – it, the scoreboard's irrelevant because this can happen in a 10-point win or it can happen in a 50-point win. It doesn't really matter. It's just control of the game. And Hawaii should be adjusting to Vanderbilt yes. because the, only, the it goes one way, always. One team adjusts to the other, and it's fine. Within the first five minutes, the initial script and game plan is out the window. All that's gone. Uh, the team and coach that has to make real adjustments throughout the game is the team that has inferior talent uh, at whatever position that is, because that's the only time coaching matters is if you are the team with inferior talent in game coaching, that's is what I'm getting at adjustments, superior talent beats inferior talent during the game. 
the Tim Tebow quote is fine. It it's untrue. Uh, it, it's very heart, true if you Will. look at heart, heart yeah, wins. it's it's untrue. It's true if you look like a Greek a Greek god Adonis as Tim Tebow and are like six two with python arms you're like hard work beats talent when talent (laughs) stops working hard i'm like shut the but you know clark lee should be able to establish with pressure i want to see pressure on a first time starting quarterback first time head coach first time coordinator first time playing together even if they have game experience offensive line brand new receivers brand new starting running back and that's just on offense and the read option with Vanderbilt, Billy, is oh. very tough to defend. And it is very instinctual to defend because you can't just have these set rules. And if you have a first time playing together defense, the worst thing you can play against is a read option, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because it's all about staying disciplined and having this instinctual feel for where your teammate is going to be. Look at you be. talking X's and there's football. Just, I love yeah. it. Yeah, Billy, I play. I love it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I was not a physical freak, so the X's and O's would be about <laughs> no, no Tim uh, all that. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't six two two twenty coming out of high school. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, but Will, real quick before I agree with everything you said. By the way, um, real quick before we get to predictions, let's name a player that we're most excited to watch for Vanderbilt. Do you have a player you're most excited to watch in terms of you know we saw him last year, but now. I'll go with you first. Most excited player to watch that you're excited to watch. Let's do, I'm going to do my prediction first. I got to think on this. That's a good question. (laughs) All right. I'll go with mine. Um, I'm most excited to watch Kane Patterson and just see what kind of, because we, I think we know the kind of player he is. He's a four-star kid. You know, he he played at CPA in Nashville and, you know, but he didn't get to play a whole lot at at Clemson. And, and, you know, I want to see, I, I want to see what he looks like in, in an SEC defense. And now he won't be starting. Ethan Barr is going to start, but they'll they'll rotate. He'll be in there. He'll be playing. And so how fired up is he? How ready to go is he? He was all over the field in the scrimmage a couple weeks ago. So was his his little brother, Langston. He, he's going to play against Hawaii as well. So I, I'm, I'm going to go with Kane Patterson. I was going to go Anthony Orji, but, I mean, let's face it. We know what we're going to see from Orji. He's going to dominate. He'll probably have at least 10 tackles. So, but Kane Patterson, what? How active is he? How much does he get in there and play? And and what kind of player is he still? Because he has gotten old. Uh, but mine is is going to be Kane Patterson. Will. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my number one, which is Ramon Davis. I knew there was one mm. that I wanted. That was a good to one. Say that was just that like I had in my mind, and we'd already talked about because we got to see him for a game and a half basically last season and just how the, the carries are going to be split. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious how much Rocco and Patrick Smith are going to be utilized. And I want to throw out the other one, which is my more obscure one, which is Jeremy Lucian. I'm, I'm curious how he's going to fit into that rotation. And I think he is specifically going to be the make or break that, that position group is going to be the make or break of the defense. Can that extremely inexperienced secondary come out and just be serviceable, be average. Because I think the linebacking group has potential to actually have some decent depth if it can stay healthy. And the defensive line is thin but talented if they can remain healthy. The linebackers and defensive line, I think the names, at least in that first group, look like they could be a pretty damn good front seven or eight. Now it's the back end in the safety and corner and DB positions that you just don't have the experience. You're going to have a lot of guys, especially rotating in that just don't have a lot of snaps on the field. And Lucian coming in from Connecticut 
has a lot of snaps on the field, even if they are for a pretty bad UConn team. He was a kind of sought after transfer with a lot of good, good experience on a team that doesn't have experience overall. Right. Uh, but he's, he's really within that secondary group, man, that that's really the only main experience that they have. Yeah. And so BJ Anderson and Tyson Russell are going to start at corners. Uh, Lucian is right behind Anderson, uh, Justin Harris and Jeffrey Hugo are right behind Russell. Yeah, I think Lucian's going to be that nickel slot yeah. corner type yeah. guy. And Mahoney's going to be moved around. He's playing, he's starting at safety. Max worship also at safety. Um, so yeah, the depth chart Very looks interesting. interesting. We didn't really get into that, but I don't know that there were too many surprises. AJ Swan, of course, is the backup. The only thing at, at safety. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. We'll, we'll, we 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 should have got more to the depth chart, but we will do. Uh, we'll well, get we more. would, Billy, if some of us weren't uh, on a time limit. I gotta go. We I'm on taking a, our I'm time, on a time here, crunch, Will. I'm on a time crunch. But uh, all right, let's get to predictions. Uh, I, I'll go first here, Will. Uh, obviously I'm going to pick Vanderbilt to win this game. Um, I really struggle with the score though, and, and how many points Vanderbilt's going to put up. Um, I, I'm not ready to say Vanderbilt's going to score, you know, 30, 40 points. I, I think they're going to, I think they'll score, be in the twenties. Um, I, I just don't know, you know, I, obviously they should score, you know, realistically they should be in the thirties and forties in this game, but I, I think it's going to be a low scoring, ugly game um, just because neither quarterback neither offense has a quarterback that we know that can move the ball down the field. I mean, we, you know, Mike Wright, obviously we've seen him, we've seen him make some plays like that, but they're going to run the football. Vanderbilt's going to want to run the football. Hawaii's going to want to throw, but I don't know that they'll be able to get the momentum, uh, you know, through the air that, that a lot of people may think they will. Um, I've got Vanderbilt 24 to 10, 24 to 10 over Hawaii. I was tempting to go 28, maybe in the thirties, but I, I went 24, 10, um, and I mean, hell, they averaged 15 points a game last year, scoring 24 points against anybody. That's, that's an improvement. Um, so I think Vanderbilt's going to impose their will, will uh, on the Hawaii defense. Uh, I think big days for Ray Davis, all three running backs. I think Davis Smith and Griffin are just going to run all over this Hawaii defense. Mike Wright. Here's one of my bold takes. He's going to have over hundred rushing yards. He did it a couple times last year. This is the worst defense Vanderbilt's going to play this season by far. And so I think Mike Wright, big day in the read option. I mean, read option, I think a lot of these will be designed runs with him. He's going to have a lot of those. But I also think him getting out of the pocket, he'll be doing that a lot. So I got him over 100 rushing yards. Not sure if that's a prop bet anywhere. Doubt it. But another hot take, Will, I think A.J. Swan will play on Saturday night. I think he's going to play at some point in this game. Number one, I think Vanderbilt's going to get up. Um, and, and maybe he'll, you know, I think he would play in the fourth quarter likely. But I just think I, I expect to, to see Swan. And I wouldn't be surprised if we don't. But I also think that's another hot take, bold take for me. I think Swan gets in the game at some point on Saturday. And, I mean, he's, just, he's the backup. So, may, say Mike Wright loses his helmet, goes down, he's going in. And so, that I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see Swan and, and what he looks like in game action, not just practice. We, I've seen it in practice. He's got a live arm. He's very impressive. But in a game against a, a – a, Maybe not legit D1 team, but a team, uh, an opponent, uh, just what he looks like. So, well, I'm going to go 24 to 10. I'm interested to see where you got, you go. And we've also got Reese Nagaoka's pick coming up too. Yeah, there, there were a couple depth chart things that you reminded me of. Uh, the AJ Swan, I wanted to point out there wasn't an or, and I think we both expected Seals to be in that second spot. Yeah. Uh, on the running back position in the second string, you actually had Patrick Smith at Rocco. So mm -hmm. you had Rocco sitting in that third string spot. Um, and then the other main interesting point in special teams was Will Shepard returning punts. 
uh, which is very interesting. I wanted to get so to that. Yeah, that that will be something not a player, but just that in general, because Hawaii has a two way guy. He kicks and punts for them. Ooh. And I believe he's going into his second season of one and the third season of other of the other. I don't have it pulled up. It's never a good when I was reading. Though. I saw that. So I think that that will play a part. That's one of the things I wanted to bring up in the prediction. Uh, they have an experienced punter, one of the few spots. I think that will allow Hawaii to maybe get Vanderbilt in some precarious field position situations, have a team going into those first game jitters, read option stuff, make a mistake. But this Hawaii offense, with how they're going to run things, with where Vanderbilt's weaknesses are, I think the quick passing game, lots of throws, I think that they will be able to move the ball a little bit. I think mm. Hawaii, I'm going to go with a little more points than you went with. I'm going to say Hawaii at 20 because I struggled with the score of this game. I Vanderbilt covering regardless in any of the scores that I had down, but Hawaii 20, and I'm putting Vanderbilt at 38. Okay. And so I think so Vanderbilt – Yep. So 18 points. I had it anywhere from that. I also had Vanderbilt in the low 30s. So somewhere in the 30s for Vanderbilt and high teens, low 20s for Hawaii. It's not an ideal matchup against Hawaii's offense, even with the talent differential and their style. However, Hawaii's defense is it. You couldn't draw besides their experience, nose tackle. They've lost all of their presence on the defensive line, thin linebackers and no guys in the secondary that are going to be playing tight press coverage. Every single thing that they worked on should be open from the spring game through summer, through fall with the quick passing stuff. No way with the experience level of this Y team, they will be pressing up. And if they do, then these Vanderbilt receivers receivers should eat them alive. Mm-hmm. So either the short stuff is going to be open for right or the long stuff, the read option, they should be able to run all over this team. So 38 Vanderbilt, 20 Hawaii. Commodore's Cruise, in my opinion, it doesn't feel that close. This is the last confident thing you will hear me say <laughs> from here on out. It's going to be how and where and what did I miss that has led me to once again feeling confident in a week one victory for Vanderbilt. What have I done to get here so wrong to be in this position again? We'll have to see how early your hopes get up here. Is it Elon? Is it Northern <laughs> Illinois? Is it Wake Forest? We'll, we'll have to see. But, well, one more thing on the depth chart. Ray Davis, for some reason, Ray Davis scares me as one of the kickoff returners. I I, I, I just, maybe I, I think, I'm probably overthinking it, but I just, I don't love that. I don't love Ray back there. He's the starting running back. I know they have depth at running back, but well, this kind of scares me. Scares me a I little have a question. I'll, I'll I have a question. How many times do you see returns? You don't. You don't. Like anything, ever. Anything can happen. You know, <laughs> that's he's true. rolled up. He catches one. He runs. I, I, I think I Clark, know. I think Clark learned his lesson again in the Georgia game and at other times. I think he learned that the injury risk is worth the trade off. It was the Bobby Johnson approach uh, to when they had a hell of a run of having incredible punt returners. People forget that Earl Bennett DJ was Moore. a great punt returner. Andre Howe, DJ Moore, Cameron. Hey, where they had some guys back there and, and Darius Sims in the Sims. kickoff He's unit. On the yep. Warren Norman was an unbelievable kickoff returner as an SEC freshman of the year player at Vanderbilt in 2005. I believe he was returning kicks and busting that can change a game, Yeah, but more than the guy with the ability to bust off the return. That's one thing when you're a, you know, less talented yeah. team like Vanderbilt, the little things like that are what can change things. It's the difference is Vanderbilt cannot have a mistake from a special teams unit that cannot happen i know you have to go billy 
But I, I it's more go. of putting a guy back there that you know is not going to fumble the ball or bobble it and put your team in a better field position situation because more than busting up a return is just diving forward for five to 10 yards versus right. letting the ball roll for losing 15 yeah. yards with a running style offense. Sorry, I'm trying to get it in here. With a running style offense, that 25 yards can be the difference in scoring 24 points versus 38 points. So there you go, Billy. God, you know how to talk fast. I could never do that. I could never do I that. I know my second career was being a rapper if this podcast doesn't work out. <laughs> Oh man, rapper will will buy. Real. Cam Johnson was really good at. He was really good at just being very so, sure-handed. Yeah, Jade McGowan, young guy back there. We'll have to see. Well, I know we probably uh, it could have been a little bit longer, but we did get it in. That's your Hawaii preview, and that's what she coming up. Said. <laughs> Ten thirty. Sorry, Eastern I've been watching time. the office. <laughs> oh man, 10:30 Eastern time kickoff Saturday night. Will will be watching. I'll be staying up, and uh, we'll, we may just have a little post-game spaces for you on Saturday, on Sunday morning. <laughs> so yeah. stay up with us. Uh, we'll be there, but you've been listening to episode 173 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Welcome back into The Door Report. Alongside Will Byram, I'm Billy Derrick. We'd like to welcome you back into our interview segment as we continue the preview of the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. We welcome in Reese Nagaoka. He's an intern for the Honolulu Star Advertiser, and he's also the sports editor for the Kaleo Hawaii Student Newspaper, so very active on campus. He's been covering the team leading up to uh, this game with fall camp as well. Uh, Reese, thanks for thanks for hopping on with us. What, what's it been like covering uh, the Rainbow Warriors this offseason? It's been pretty fun, actually. I mean, we've it's um, there's a lot of question marks, I know, especially at the quarterback position, but there have been other, you know, there's so many newcomers that we don't, there's hard to really say who's going to start where, except for maybe the offensive and defensive line. And I mean, when you see the new, what this new coaching staff is doing, I mean, I think it's got a lot of fans excited for what could be coming up in Hawaii for the next couple of years. I think I was muted there for that beginning of that question. So another hell of a good start here, Reese. You can see we are well-funded with our technology that we have, and we are also of the utmost professionalism at all times. But Hawaii had a lot of roster turnover, and that is something that Vanderbilt fans are very familiar with, even though they may not be very familiar with the Hawaii roster. Uh, can you name off just a couple guys that maybe left that roster that are going to leave some major holes that are going to be felt this year for the Rainbow Warriors? Well, I think the biggest one is is your quarterback. I mean, Shevin Cordero, was he was pretty much like uh, – he was a local. He was a great story. He was a local kid who started for the for Hawaii, and he was a dual threat guy. He had a really good arm. He could improvise if he had to. And um, there, you know, on defensively, that's where I and defensively, I think I think that's where Hawaii got hurt the most because they lost their one of their interior defensive linemen, uh, Justice Devai, to San Diego State, another Mountain West team. Um, you know, they lost their top tackler Darius Muasau to UCLA to the transfer portal. Um, and then another, I want to say he was like a hybrid linebacker safety, but it was Corey Bethley. Um, you know, he had a really good performance. I'm not sure if you guys saw his highlights against Fresno State last season, but he, he balled out in that one. And, you know, he's moved on to, I believe, Arizona State. And Arizona there, State, there couple, yeah. Yeah, and there are a couple of others. I mean, you had Jonah Laulu on your, as your edge rusher. He's now at Oklahoma. And, I mean, there, there were a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of roster turnover, and I think there's a quite a couple of big holes that they have to fill. 
what uh, what can you tell us about the head coach, Timmy Chang? Uh, I heard he played at Hawaii and, uh, you know, obviously has prior coaching experience. But for Vanderbilt fans who aren't familiar with with his track record, what kind of experience does he have prior to to coming back to Honolulu and and maybe some early expectations for uh, for him and his staff uh, coming into this season? So Timmy Chang, he's only been about a, he's only been a coach for about 10 years. This is his first head coaching position, obviously. But um, I think he started about 20, I want to say 2012. He was a graduate assistant at SMU under his former college coach, June Jones. Um, he had a couple of coordinator stints. I believe one was Jackson State. The other was Emory and Henry. Um, and then he got hired by Jay Norvell to be their tight ends or receivers coach, one of those two. And then they swapped as the years went on. Um, and when Jay Norvell went to Colorado State, um, Timmy Chang and his st- and remainder bits of the staff followed him to uh, Colorado State and then before actually coming here to Hawaii. And um, so what was the question again? I mean, it was... <laughs> So yeah, just overall expectations and just overall expectations. And sorry, Billy, you did the same thing and started talking when you were on mute. You just fixed it a little quicker than I did. But just expectations overall in year one uh, for a Hawaii team there. Well, I think a lot of fans, their expectations are they want to get to a bowl game. I, I feel a little bit more like if they can get four wins, I can see that as a win for them. But I mean, um, Timmy Chang, he's got this, he's got the state rocking. I mean, it's like he was when he was here 20 years ago as a quarterback and it's actually probably, it's probably more like 15, but um, yeah, I mean, he, he's got the support of the state. He, he's expressed his love of the state. His staff has done the same. I think it's very, I, th- this was really random, but like when they got hired back in the spring, they were actually in the campus center food court and whatnot. I've never seen a coach, any coach for any sport to be here. And then he's walking in here with his staff, you know, wearing Aloha shirts, slippers, the whole lot. And it was like, this guy, this is a guy who really cares about the university, and he he's publicly expressed that he cares about, um, I guess how I guess about how much other sports do as well. We've seen him at other games, his coaching staff at other games. I mean, this it's I think he's the real deal. I like he's a little inexperienced. I mean, um, you know, he hasn't been a coordinator at the FBS level or anything, but you know, I think his staff is just as experienced at some points. They're they're a little young, but I think this is going to be one of those. This could be one of those stats you look back on and it's like, wow, I can't believe we had all these guys. Yeah, I think there are a lot of parallels that can really be drawn, obviously, to a slightly lesser, I don't want to say lesser, but different extent with Hawaii there with, you know, former player, first time head coach coming from the coordinator role. And we can tell you here that that did not go so well game one for first time head coach Clark Lee and his young staff. But everything that I've read, he seems like the real deal, seems committed to rejuvenating a program that at one point was pretty unique and had a lot of success. And that wasn't that long ago. So I definitely think that he's the right guy on that trajectory long term. But for Vanderbilt fans and for me and Billy here, I think that we're really focused on this game one, year one. And Hawaii lost a lot of guys. And you went through some names there. They lost seven of their eight top tacklers from last season. They lost their top three white or receiving targets, including one of their running backs, their starting running back, lost the starting quarterback. How do you think this team is preparing and how many of these guys transferring in, let's say, or there's some names that are popping early in fall camp and leading up to this week one of guys that are maybe replacing some of those losses for Hawaii? Well, I think if 
for those replacing the newcomers, I mean, you have to look at, well, I think the biggest one I think to me is Jordan Murray. He's, um, he's like a six foot five tight end tight end. He's, he's played receiver at Missouri state. That's where he's coming in from. Um, you know, I think he's, he might be the, the person or the player on this UH team with the best, um, you know, NFL prospect wise, um, you know, he, he's, he's a lot faster than he looks. He'll win these one on contested one-on-ones and create these big mismatches where he'll beat your linebacker, but, or like um, he'll beat your linebacker off the line, or he'll jump up and contest the catch against your defensive back. I mean, he's pretty good. He's really good. Um, transfer wise. I mean, Mattel solely on the defensive end at the, on the defensive line at from transferred in from Arkansas. He, he is really good. I mean, he's, I don't I I don't know what this means, but he's he has been beating our he's been beating our edge rep, um our offensive tackles, the first teamers coming off the edge. He's had there are points where he's had, I think, at least two sacks that they probably could have whistled back to the line, but it was, you know, let the play go on during scrimmages. But he has been very, very good. I think Jojo Forrest, another transfer from Oregon State, he is gonna be your uh probably your court quarterback one and then on the opposite side it could be somebody like Verdell Edwards uh former safety at Iowa State turned corner here and he he just brings that hard hitting ability again all right let's go to the quarterback position here Reese obviously the most important position on the field reading the Hawaii depth chart indicates a three-way battle right now for the starting quarterback spot do you possibly have any insight for us for Vanderbilt people who, who may start uh, on Saturday night for the Rainbow Warriors officially sent it, i think it's four quarterbacks officially because <laughs> oh, is it four? They, they can't go yeah they, they, they can only go three deep i think on the depth chart <laughs> but um but i mean to me it's it's got to be between Braden shager and joey allen first who's, who's going to start saturday night um you know they have been the ones who've gotten majority of the first team reps in camp uh during scrimmages everything um you know cam and cooper is that guy who can be that dual threat quarterback where you can put him in these running sub packages if you want to but he's also, I would say, he's he's not. You can't just like throw or right away, right off his arm too. I mean, he's got a pretty good arm. Um, I think it's just a matter of can he get that accuracy down. And but as yeah, for and I, I want to break in there about Cam and Cooper. Sorry, I I was researching Hawaii's roster. He's actually a transfer in from Washington State, former four star top. Ooh. I think he was top three sixty national QB. So that was actually somebody's name specifically that popped that I was kind of curious Reese, if you had any any knowledge of how he was faring in the quarterback battle specifically because that that's kind of who I would guess for better or for worse who would kind of come in there and be able to lead the battle as highly nationally ranked as he was but it, it seems like based on what you're saying that that that's not the case well I think the other thing too is that there there is another transfer quarterback like I talked about I think Joey Yellen he is a transfer from Pitt he was another I want to say three or four star quarterback um, transferred to Pitt from Arizona State. Um, you know, this is his third school. And, you know, he is, I would say he's probably the, ahead of Cooper. He's the quarterback that would be competing with Braden Shager for that starting quarterback spot. Um, you know, I don't know that there's so many unknowns, I think, with this this whole team that they're going to put these oars on the depth chart. And, you know, they're just going to see what this first game throws out to them and then be like, okay, maybe we can solidify this position we, maybe we can, you know, change this position, that sort of thing. But, I mean, quarterback-wise, I, w- I would think it's between Shager and Yellen based on what they've been been seeing. Um, I don't – I if 
me personally, I would think it's Braden Shager, but you know that that's yet to be seen. I think for Reese, let's uh let's go to the crowd. Will and I have talked about this. Uh, of course, it's interesting looking at the capacity of the stadium. It's uh, it's only about nine thousand, of course. But I saw where Hawaii's online ticket site shows only sixty two individual seats remain for the game on Saturday night. So, what kind of crowd and and kind of energy are you expecting? Are you expecting the the city to rally around it and show up Saturday night and and if so, uh, what what do you think that could that could do for for both teams? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's going to be really rocking. I think they had they announced they're going to have, um, I think the green. It's a it's a reggae group. I think I have to double check. I can't remember which genre they are, but um, they're going to be performing at the basketball arena on campus before the game, so that they're going to have a really you know hyped up hype up the fans that sort of thing and. You know, I think it's it's going to be very interesting. I think we've saw we saw at points when you are going into the end zones. There's one end zone is our student section, and it gets really loud in there. It's the I think it's the best we've seen in a long time, uh, personally. And there were points where last season, if you were to go against, if the opposing team was to go towards that state or that end zone, it would be like just impossible to score, especially with the defense that they had last season. So, I mean, it's it's going to be very – I think it's going to be really rocking. I think – I don't really know how much – I think you said 62 tickets remaining, which is incredible. I know the season ticket holders are going to be – you know, they're dedicated. They they wanted to get into this really bad badly, and, you know, it's going to be fun, I think. And plus, I think everybody's a little excited too because they just announced they're going to expand the stadium um, for next, in preparation for next season. So there, there have just been a couple quotes – and I know Billy may have wanted to get to this, but I'm going to steal his thunder. There have been some quotes coming out from the Hawaii support staff, whether this. it's the athletic administration or it's the, <laughs> I think it was, I have one pulled up in particular we'll get to. And I just want to get your thoughts on it and the perspective because they're actually kind of funny, but, uh, and this is the, sorry, I want to get this correct. Jeff Reinbold, the yes. uh, director of player development there at Hawaii said, I cannot wait for the moment when we come out into that stadium I know there's going to be 9,300 people there, but I will bet you that the energy is going going to be like there's 90,000 in that stadium. And then he went on to say that Vanderbilt has no idea what they're getting into. Just how do you feel about the, the quotes of kind of adding fuel to the fire of already an SEC team traveling out of conference to a non-Power 5 school then adding fuel to the fire by saying that Vanderbilt has no idea what they're getting into. It's going to feel like 90,000, which will still not be even a top two, three biggest crowd Vanderbilt will play in front of this season. It will still not be a top three crowd. Do you think that that adds fuel to the fire for Vanderbilt side, or do you think it adds a little motivation for the Hawaii side saying that, look, the guys around here believe in us. I think it can go both ways. I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing. Well, I think it's kind of, you split what you talk about. He splits the when you split the second quote. I think that back half it's it's going to be a motivator for Vanderbilt. You know where it's like, are are you serious? We we've like you said they're going to experience. I believe you said what at least not even a top three. This isn't even a top three, or ninety thousand wouldn't be a top three. Excuse me, but yeah, you got um, Bryant, you know, Denny, and you've also got Neyland as a last season with hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah, so it's a, it's a it's a fun trek they're... down here in the south. <laughs> One day I got to try that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, well, Jeff Reinbold, he is, he's that motivator. I think he is going to be that guy, your, your hype man, essentially. And yeah, I think that's his goal. He wants to motivate his 
um, these players to be, you know, really good. I mean, that's that's kind of what his thing is, you know. And this, I think, might be kind of right. I mean, the state will show up. I mean, this is the only university event, I believe, on campus that day. Um, there might be a couple high school football games, but all of the eyes are going to be on this because everybody wants to see, you know, how does this team look? You know, how does Timmy Chang, how is Timmy Chang going to be and his staff going to be as a coach? And, you know, the thing is, we, we just don't know. I mean, there was a, you talk about Steven Sai, he had a column today. He was like, when people ask me in Costco, it's like, how do, how do you think this team looks? And it's like, man, I don't know. So I think that's, that's kind of what everybody wants to know is like, what is this team going to bring? Hey, I'll, I'll give it to Reinbold. He got us talking about it. We're talking about it right yep. now. He, he did something right. So uh, I, that honestly gave us a little fuel to fire the door for it. A little, it got, got us going a little bit. But we won't hold you too long here, Reese. Time to get your prediction for Saturday night. Of course, 1030 Eastern time kickoff. A little bit earlier for you guys over there in Hawaii on, uh, on the island there. But give us your game prediction for Saturday night. What's going to happen? Oh, well, I think it's, it's first off, it's going to be really hot, you know, 430 in the afternoon. That's it's Ooh. the sun is going to be in the faces of the, everybody. You know, the TV cameras, the press box, the coaches box is going to be blaring. Um, you know, they had a they had a practice at that time in that stadium um, a couple weeks ago. And it was it was really hot out there. I think that's not I don't know how it is in up in Nashville, but it's, it was yeah, pretty hot. It, it felt really hot. But the one thing I will say is that these guys, they don't, they are very well conditioned. You know, I talked to a couple of the assistant coaches and they were all crediting um, Hawaii strength and conditioning coach, Cody Cook for getting them into shape. And, you know, I come to think of it, I haven't seen one player cramp when during practice, which is, you know, amazing first off. And um, it's good. It's yeah. The weather I think is going to be a concern for, it, it would be a concern for me. I mean, it's, it'd be warm, but, you know, I think for Hawaii to me, if they don't, they need to be aggressive and get on the board right away in those maybe first two drives of the game. Otherwise I feel like they, they lose any momentum they have. And it's going to be hard to build it up. Like you said, with this Vanderbilt team. There it is. There's uh there's the, wait, did, did, did we get a pick there? We need to score. We need to score. We need to, we're going to make that. you have a definitive score because we're going to make ourselves yeah, do know, it too. I got to, I got to stick with what I told them. The, the guys over at the Vanderbilt Hustler, I, I'll put Hawaii 31 to 27. Ooh. He's going, that's higher scoring than I think. But th- uh, 31 I, I'm not going to reveal mine out. yet. We'll do that on our, we'll do that uh, on our second up, one, Billy. I don't, I don't want to give wait, mine away. Hold on yours, Will. Hold I'm not doing yours. mine. I'm not doing mine yet. <laughs> oh, man. Reese, thanks for taking the time, man. And uh, good luck with the coverage on Saturday night. We're, we're looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me on here first. Yeah. <laughs>